Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Dual Vision Podcast, hosted by myself, Devin Jackson, alongside my twin brother, Dominic Jackson. And uh, Dom, uh, we're recording this on Sunday, September 13th. Uh, so first, you know, how's your week going? Uh, what's been going on with you this week? Oh, man, um, it's been a short week. Uh, we had Labor Day on Monday, so I'm sure a lot of people were off. But other than that, it's been a pretty short week. You know, we're getting ready for a new week now. It's going to be Monday. So, other than that, you know, there's a lot of football and basketball events going on this week. So, just looking forward to all the football competition and just seeing what's going on today. But also, you know, it was a pretty good week, though. Can't even complain about how your week was. How your week was. My week was productive. Uh, I uh, spent a, a lot of this week, obviously, working. Uh, spent a lot of time driving um, for my job. For people that don't know, I work with uh, WTAJ News, uh, which is a local news station in uh, State College. Well, it, we're based out Altoona, Pennsylvania, but I work in State College, Pennsylvania, where Penn State is. Um, so I, I, on Friday night, I spent a lot of the night driving and, and heading to high school football games. Uh, on Thursday night, I'm, I'm working on a project for uh, my station that will be uh, a weekly show, and uh, I'm talking to basically Penn State super fans. We know Penn State football, um, but in addition to that as well, writing articles, uh, breaking down uh, NFL draft prospects for the 2021 class, as well as uh, working on uh, college football articles. But uh, something that's uh, kind of been on my mind and your mind, uh, you know, over the last week or two uh, is the, you know, we, we had our first episode last week and we, we talked a bunch about you know, music and, uh, you know, basically men, you know, making a difference sports wise. You know, we touched briefly on social justice issues, uh, considering, considering, you know, the, what the NBA did as well as what the NFL is looking to do. They're looking to do some sort of unity and whatnot, uh, but something that has been really underrated and not talked about as much is what women are doing to consider, to continue the uh, talks of social injustice and, and really pushing for change. And uh, that's something we want to highlight today and, and something in general, I, I think, uh, women in general in this country don't get enough credit for what they do and what they bring to the table day in and day out, whether they're teachers, doctors, lawyers, uh, you name it, they're not getting enough credit. So uh, something we you know, wanted to, to touch on today is uh, what women are doing with their platforms and, and with, with uh, what they're uh, pushing for and the change that they're trying to bring. Uh, we're going to talk about that today. Uh, so uh, first, uh, first person we want to bring up uh, that you know is a African American woman. Uh, she's mixed, uh, and she just won uh, another title, her third Grand Slam title, uh, just yesterday on Saturday evening. And that is Naomi Osaka. Uh, she is just 22 years old, uh, out from Japan, and she is making her voice known. Um, I read in an article that she. Um, when everything went down with George Floyd this summer uh, in May, and at the end of at the end of May, uh, her and her boyfriend wanted to immediately go there and uh, go to Minneapolis, Minneapolis and be there with everyone that was protesting it and trying to make a difference and change and, and pay her respects to uh, George Floyd and, and George Floyd Memorial. And uh, you know, Dom, she is someone that 
has been outspoken and, and someone that is uh, in the forefront of wanting to make change as a professional athlete. And with that, she decides to wear um, every name on her face mask with um, who got murdered by the police or had had a conversation with the police, which I think is just a strong message to send with, with, with what is going down right now. Um, like I said, like you were saying, women are on the forefront of the racial injustice and all the racial issues going on. And you love to see it. We just need to continue to acknowledge women as they are and continue to push for them to, you know, get better, better security from men. And um, like I was saying, a lot of what she was doing is just, I think to me, it's just so dope because she don't have to speak. She's letting her, letting her actions speak for themselves, which I think is truly amazing at her young age. And you know, just her putting herself on that platform as she is, as far as being a, a famous tennis player and using that platform to speak about racial injustice, I think it's just great for us. And I just love to see it. And, um, you know, I'm proud of what she's been doing and she continues to do it. And I'm sure she has a lot of things going in motion as far as, you know, trying to raise racial, um, trying to raise the, awareness of racial injustice and you know we just love to see it and you know i definitely appreciate it because like i said women women like her and just women all over the world deserve acknowledgement for all the for being on the forefront of all the racial injustice and every social issues that are going on so you can definitely appreciate that from her for sure yeah, and you you mentioned the names that uh, she wore on her mask, and uh, I'm I'm here to uh, you know kind of name them and explain to people what happened uh, in those uh, those cases. Uh, so first mask that she wore was Brianna Taylor, and uh, a lot of people already know what happened to Brianna Taylor. But uh, police officers uh, came in with a, a no knock warrant, and uh, they fired back shots at uh, her boyfriend. Uh, who thought it was a intruder intruders coming in into their place uh and she was killed in her sleep and uh, we're still looking for justice for brianna taylor and, and that's the uh, message that osaka wanted to to give that day uh, she told reporters i'm aware that tennis is watched all over the world and maybe there's someone that doesn't know brianna taylor's story maybe they'll google it or something and for me it's just spreading awareness um, so that was the first name that she wanted to make public and, and make known to people that, you know, this, this is obviously a, a serious issue. She obviously wants to have in the forefront. And like I said, we're still uh, looking for, we're still wanting the officers involved in that arrested uh, in, in the Breonna Taylor killing. Next name she wore was Elijah McLean. Uh, he was a 23 year old massage therapist, uh, stopped in Denver and suburb of Aurora um, last August, walking home from convenience store with the iced tea. Uh, he's placed in a carotid hold, excuse me, uh, which uh, restricts, you know, blood flow to the brain. Um, and they said that he resisted contact. i put that in quotes, resisted contact. And um, a struggle ensued. And then uh, three days later, he was declared uh, brain dead.
So some people may not know too much about that case in particular. Uh, so I think that's also unique with Osaka. She's not just focusing on the main names everybody knows. Like, obviously, we know about George Floyd. We know about Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, we know about um, Breonna Taylor. We know about uh, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice. But uh, for Elijah McClain to be included in that, I think that that speaks volumes. And what she said about McClain's story, she, she said when she heard it, she was uh, very hurt uh, by it um, after her second round victory against uh, Camilla Gior- Giorgi. Uh, she said um, no one can really paint the narrative that he was a bad guy because uh, there are so many stories out there that, you know, he was a really nice guy. Uh, now, obviously, Ahmad Aubrey is next. Uh, 25 unarmed black men uh, chased by two white men while jogging in Brunswick, Georgia, uh, you know, right in, a, you know, right in our area. Uh, we grew up and raised in Georgia. So that kind of hit uh, real close to home for me. Um, and, you know, after a struggle, they shot him with a shotgun three times. And uh, they actually have been arrested. Um, and I believe they're awaiting trial at this point. Um, but she told, uh, Osaka told, uh, all three pleaded not guilty in July, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, but she told reporters that she had been touched by the response she had received so far by wearing the mask, the names of uh, those uh, killed, um, those un- those killed by police that were unarmed or, or killed in general that were unarmed. Trayvon Martin, we know uh, a lot about that story. Uh, Florida neighborhood watchman killed him uh, for wearing a hood, basically. Um, so she wore that as well. Um, and they said that she was, uh, almost moved to tears, uh, when they show messages from uh, the families of, uh, Ahmaud Aubrey and Trayvon Martin, um, basically, uh, you know, giving her their support for wearing the masks. Um, and then George Floyd, she wore after that. And we, that's well documented what happened in that case. Um, and then Philando Castile, back in July 2016, uh, he was fatally shot um, at a traffic stop in also Minnesota. Um, and then finally, the last one, and probably the one that touches a lot of people's heart hearts is Tamir Rice. Um, that one was just, it's just hard to swallow that one. Uh, 12 years old, um, killed for holding a, a toy gun. And it, it's just sad to see that, you know, Still to this day, I mean, it happened in November 2014. Uh, we're coming up on the six-year anniversary of that, and that still, you know, hits home because, you know, they're, you know, unarmed black men and women are being killed even in their teens, you know, and that that's just unacceptable. So in general, uh, kind of wrapping up what Osaka did and has done, uh, she looks like she's going to be in the forefront, especially in tennis, where it is pretty much a white-dominated sport. I think we both can agree on that. Um, and to bring that in, to have someone else, you know, not named Serena Williams and someone like Osaka that is our age, that is uh, trying to make a difference with what she's saying and doing, I think that's really commendable and, and just shows that, this issue is so much bigger than, you know, just the NBA um, boycotting or the NFL, uh, you know, doing things of solidarity and, and trying to, uh, you know, 
bring change as well uh, by using their platforms. But when you have sports like tennis being involved and um, these up and coming young athletes that are making a bunch of money, but want change for their communities, I think that's really commendable and, and speaks volumes to her character and what she brings to the table. hundred percent agree. Um, like I said, the courage she has at her young age to do that is truly amazing. Um, and it takes a lot of courage and a lot of um, selflessness to do that because, you know, with, 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 with what is going on right now, and sometimes it can take a toll on you, but at the same time, if you want change, you got to make that change. You got to be that change. So for Osaka to do that, you know, I'm truly, truly happy to see it, and I'm proud of it, and I'm proud to be black. I'm proud to be black because, you know what I'm saying, we're continuing to show every day that we're strong, and that we're still fighting through this, and that, you know, every day is going to be an uphill battle, but we're still trying to fight this fight, and we're going to continue fighting. So. Like I said, I'm definitely proud of Osaka, and I appreciate her for doing this, for sure. Now we're moving on to uh, another uh, woman that is making a difference, another black woman making a difference uh, in her own right. Uh, the WNBA, uh, first before I introduce, I want to, uh, you know, personally shout out to the WNBA. They are have been in the forefront of the social injustice issues uh, for quite a while now. Before the NBA jumped all over it, you know, before, um, you know, everything that's kind of happened this summer, they have always been the forefront of it. They always have their players uh, out in front of the issues. They always have uh, the support of all the entire league um, because obviously they're not going to be as popular as the NBA or college football or NFL or some of those main sports, but they still want to make a difference with their platforms um, and what, what they're able to do. So I want to give a shout out to the WNBA for doing that and, you know, making people understand that this is so much bigger than them. You know, even though, you know, people try to downplay who the WNBA is and say, you know, no one's really watching the WNBA, et cetera, et cetera. They're still out there making a difference. And I, you know, to me, like, I, I'll never appreciate people disregarding WNBA. I don't like the jokes about, you know, them making sandwiches, about them, uh, you know, you know, people being asleep at their games, you know, not having a crowd, et cetera, et cetera, because they're spending their time and effort and pretty much their entire life playing basketball. Like, it's a year-round thing for them. Like, they can – they don't have any breaks. They play – you know, WNBA, then they play Olympics some years, then they play overseas. So for them, their grind and, and hustle are, are already showing through that. You know, they already have to uphill climb. They don't get paid the same as NBA uh, players and, and the same as some other professional leagues. Like uh, the most Maya Moore made in a year was like $120,000. And that was like a fifth of what LeBron James is making, which is which is insane. But – I want to give a shout out to them because they they're going to they're making a difference. Um, and the the one person that uh, is really standing out and basically putting basketball aside and wanting to really make a change and did so was Maya Moore. Um, she uh, 
I believe it was uh, 2018, I think, she started getting involved. Uh, but basically what happened was Jonathan Irons, he is uh, now 40 years old. When he was 18, he was charged with a 50-year sentence of burglary and assault uh, of a of St. Louis man's home. Um, and he, the, the person that was, uh, you know, burglarized, they were shot in the head. Um, and you know, he testified and said that irons was the one that did it and they had no DNA evidence, no fingerprints. Um, and they still convicted him in 1998, uh, to a 50 year sentence. So, uh, Maya Moore met him and Jer- Jeremiah, uh, Jonathan irons, excuse me, irons. Uh, they, she met him in 2007 and, uh, basically, uh, since 2000, uh, I believe towards the end of 2018, and the start of 2019, uh, she decided to set out the WNBA season to help, you know, get him, you know, his sentence, get him released from prison, basically, because he was wrongfully convicted. So, uh, you know, after working through 2019 and then 2020 uh, of July of this year, he was indeed released. Um, and, you know, he's a free man at four years old and he served a unnecessary 22 year sentence in prison. But that just goes to show you that this is so much bigger than, you know, what you do on a day to day basis. You know, this is so much bigger than what you bring to the table on a day to day basis. This is why, you know, people need to pay attention to this movement. There are literal players and and human beings taking time from their own profession, their own dream of playing something that they've been dreaming to play for years and years. And uh, they're taking the time to really make a difference. And, And you really love to see it. You love to see, uh, you know, what's going on, you know, in pretty much in, in this, this country with this, all this is going on and, and just proud of Maya Moore. She's a terrific basketball player. And for her to do this is it, just simply phenomenal. But um, shout out to Maya Moore. Um, you know, WNBA players really don't get paid that much. And for her to sit out, you know, sit out multiple seasons because she wants to make change. <clears throat> it just shows you how much <clears throat> she knows that racial injustices and stuff like that are bigger than just basketball. Um, if you want change, you got to be that change. And she is the definition of change. She has made sure that this man has, you know, get exonerated from his charges. And just for him, just for her to do that, you know, women are always on a forefront of every injustice that's going on and we just have to appreciate it because it takes a lot of courage to do that when you know you're not getting as paid as much as you 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 should be and for my more to just take that stand and be like listen i'm not playing no basketball i'm putting that i'm putting that on the back burner i'm about to worry about this racial injustice going on and all that stuff like that you know you just have to appreciate that and you know, Maya Moore will go down as a true pioneer for change, and she has pioneered that change. And, you know, she continues to do what she do every day, and you got to just appreciate that. She's a great player on the court, but off the court, she is just an amazing human being as far as, as, far as making sure that, you know, these racial injustices are on the forefront and should be taken care of immediately. And, um... Like I said, she's on the front, forefront of change, and you just love to see it. Just appreciate Maya Moore for what 
her contributions to <clears throat> Black Lives Matter and making sure that it's out there and it, and our lives matter. So we just have to appreciate her for that for sure. And uh, you know, kind of, kind of with that in mind, uh, now I want to kind of talk about uh, you know, women that you find inspirational and and that you find um, you know motivating and someone that you know is uh, you know really standing out in your eyes. Uh, so I'll give you give the floor back to you to uh, talk about uh, some of those uh, inspirational uh, women that uh, you know you kind of look up to and and you know kind of. Uh, like I said, look up to and, and, and see as someone, you know, that's inspiration to you. I would definitely say Maya Moore um, is one of them. Um, you know, she put everything on the line to make sure that this man got a fair trial and made sure he got exonerated for a crime that he did not commit. And you just have to appreciate that. And, you know, I think that's truly inspirational because it shows that if you want to make a change, you have to make that happen. And you got to do what it takes to make sure that change happens. And she did that. And it's just so inspirational to me. Um, Maya Moore is definitely on the top of my list. And honestly, what Osaka, what she did, that's inspirational. You know, she didn't have to do that, but she wanted to make sure those issues are on the forefront. And, you know, that's truly inspirational to me because, you know, that could have been, you know, either of us, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, it's not. And she made sure that she put those racial injustices that are, that happened to them. She wanted to honor them and make sure that their name is still said out loud and you could just appreciate that and i definitely appreciate it and i feel like you know those two women right there are just inspirational to me and like i said i can appreciate what they're doing and make sure that these issues are still out there and they're still being talked about so that's my uh that's my two that i will say are inspirational to me what about you uh, a name to uh you know it's kind of in my field kind of the jur journalism field uh someone that is uh you know really taking a, a a completely different course to their life uh i would say is a former uh, espn anchor carrie champion uh, she has really transformed her career and, into something uh completely different and, you know she was you know obviously on on the flagship show for espn every day uh, you know, she was, uh, you know, at noon for a while and then she moved to the evening, you know, six o'clock block where, you know, a lot of people watch ESPN and, uh, you know, she told, you know, the cut in the, in the interview, uh, that she did last month, uh, you know, ESPN gave her an amazing platform, you know, focus on what she met, well, on what mattered to her, but she couldn't speak on social justice issues and police brutality. And that's something that, you know, bothered her, uh, and, and something that, she wanted to speak on like now ESPN is being a little bit more inclusive and allowing, you know, some of their employees to talk a little bit more, you know, obviously hosting conversations, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, before everything happened this summer, you know, ESPN wasn't allowing, you know, these personalities to speak their mind and, and really have an opinion on what's going on with social injustice and police brutality. 
So for Carrie Champion, now she's transitioned into a completely different lane, like I was saying before. And now she co-hosts Vice's Stick to Sports uh, with Jamel Hill, someone that has been somewhat of a controversial figure to some people, uh, even though she is an amazing Black woman that speaks her mind and speaks what she has to say. Um, So she's teamed up with her and, you know, to talk about these issues and, and these conversations. And now she's going to take on another um, another kind of a, a platform, another show uh, called The Brown Print, um, which is a, a new podcast uh, in partnership with Estee Lauder. Uh, and it will speak with diverse roster of successful individuals from every industry, from entertainers to athletes to business executives and journalists. And uh, she hopes to create an open dialogue with her guests, uh, talk about powerful topics, marginalization of women in America, uh, suppression of people of color, uh, and and just everything in general. So for me, it's like, for someone that's in my field, uh, a field of journalism, and someone that, you know, had the quote unquote dream job at working at ESPN, I think a lot of journalists, uh, sports journalists specifically grew up thinking about working for ESPN, thinking about working uh, for, you know, that, that company and to have her, you know, basically walk away from that and say, I want to do something else. I want to do something that makes change. I want to do something that, you know, puts people of color uh, that come behind me, you know, influence them, influence a whole new generation of people. And I think that's so commendable. Uh, When you think about, you know, the state of journalism and people of color in journalism is still not enough. You know, it's still very unproportionate. It's still very, you know, not equal. You know, we still have, it's still a, a pretty much, uh, you know, white person dominated industry. Uh, and some of the, even the sports job is a white dominated industry, even though most of the athletes are African-American and of, or of African-American descent. So, it's still a huge problem. You know, it's just a huge problem just in journalism alone, even w- without even, you know, taking everything that's going on with police brutality and social injustice. There's a big problem in that industry. So for her to touch on multiple issues, to touch touch on issues, obviously, with women, you know, obviously women have still have an uphill climb in, climb in this country and get paid less than men. Then you go into the another lane of social injustice and police brutality. Like I said, it's well-documented. Maya Moore and Naomi Osaka are in front of those movements themselves. And then you take the aspect of just in our own field and talking about how ESPN didn't allow her to speak on police brutality and social justice issues and, you know, touching on the discrepancy in journalism, I think is commendable. So uh, Carrie Champion is mine. Uh, is my, you know, inspirational woman alongside with Maya Moore and Naomi Osaka. I think that she's really making a difference in our industry and, and you really love to see it. Um, now we're, we're going to kind of switch lanes. Like I said, you know, this was, this was a lot about women uh, and, and women that are making a change and, and making a difference. Um, so going from there, obviously, Going from that subject uh, to, you know, uh, somewhat of a more, you know, lighter subject, someone, something that you've been looking forward to since the game ended last night. Uh, we're going to talk about the Lakers and Rockets. Uh, the series wrapped up in five games. Uh, 
after the Houston Rockets won game one, uh, they couldn't sniff another one afterwards. And, and the series pretty much dominated in games four and five. The, the Lakers pretty much ran away from ran away with the game. Uh, what, what were your impressions of the game last night and, and just the Lakers dominating in general? Just the way they were clicking on offense, man. Um, when the Lakers are playing like that, man, I'm telling you, they're going to be a hard team to beat. Um, it just felt like <clears throat> the Rockets was just a step slower after the game one. It just felt like the Lakers wanted it more. And, you know, just for them to win in that fashion last night, I was not expecting that. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you have AD and LeBron and then their supporting cast is starting to play great, man, they're going to be a tough team to beat. And, um, like I said, the Lakers, they are going to be a tough team to beat. It just looked like Houston was just uninterested, you know, and it just didn't look like a series after game one. Game one, you could tell Houston wanted it more. They had just gotten off a seven-game series, and they looked like they was hungry. But after game one, I think just the, the flip switch and LeBron and them, and they just turned it on, and it was a wrap after that. So I was not expecting to see them dominate the game like they, were, like they did last night. But – if they playing at that level, they're going to be a tough team to beat, regardless of who they got to play in the next round. They're going to be a tough team to beat. And uh, the the series between the Clipper and Nuggets, <clears throat> that's the uh, final series left, and to decide, you know, the final uh, Western Conference Finals and Eastern Conference Finals uh, matchups. Heat and Celtics both won their series. The Heat won in uh, six games. The Celtics won in seven games in a thrilling series against the Toronto Raptors. And Lakers obviously won in five. The Clippers up 3-2 right now on the Nuggets, a pesky Nuggets team that's young uh, and, and full of athletes. Now, what, what's your biggest concern for the Lakers uh, playing against the Clippers potentially next round? Should the Clippers go on and, and win their series against the Nuggets? Potentially, I would say their half-court offense. Um, I think them getting out in transition and getting those easy buckets are going to make the game easier for them to ease into a half-court offense. But if they already have to start at, start from a half-court offense and not get fast break points and stuff like that, I feel like that's going to really, really derail them a little bit because the Clippers are great on defense and like, they are – sound on defense, and their half-court defense is pretty good. So just them setting up in a half-court offense, you know, it's probably going to be some trouble, but they get those fast break, fast break points, they're going to be on a roll. So that's essentially the only problem I see. That's, a, that's about it, though. Um, they pretty much, like I said, they got, a, they got a nice team now. Rondo's playing way better than I thought he would play. Uh, he's been a big part of them, you know, turning things around. So I think, you know, they they have a pretty good shot at going to the finals. Um, like I said, it's going to be a tough time, though. They just need to get those fast break points. And once they get those, then I think it should be smooth sailing from that. Yeah, personally, me, uh, I think they struggle with transition defense. I think that that's something that they obviously need to improve. When you got players like Kawhi Leonard – Paul George, Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams on on the court, and you're going against the Clippers. You got to get back defensively. You don't want to give them easy points. It's already tough enough to stop them on in the half court 
offense in general uh, with Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George being very, very good scores, as well as Lou Williams is a professional score. So I think getting back defensively will be important for the Lakers, and they need something from their bench. Uh, Caruso is going to have to play well. Kuzma, uh, those players that are coming in for the Lakers, uh, you know, KCP, uh, they might need J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters in this series uh, against the Clippers to play well and, and make contributions. I think those are going to be uh, the, the biggest issues for the Lakers going against the Clippers. And obviously for the Clippers, uh, defensively, sometimes they have lapses. They don't get back defensively either. They uh, struggle sometimes in the half-court offense. Uh, they struggle sometimes with their second unit. Uh, you know, sometimes, the, you know, the Clippers, uh, they're susceptible to giving up big leads. That's something else that they, they've been struggling with as well. They've given, they've given up some really big leads in this playoffs. Uh, they gave up a 16-point lead against the Nuggets just the other night uh, to allow the Nuggets back in the game and to win the game. Uh, you know, they gave up some, some big leads in the first round. So that's something their, their consistency is an uh, issue. You know, while the Lakers, you know, can run away with the game, the Clippers sometimes struggle putting games away. So that's going to be an interesting series to, to watch. Final topic we're going to discuss today, uh, NFL and uh, their showing of unity. Thursday night game, Kansas City Chiefs, Houston Texans start off the NFL season. Show the moment of unity uh, with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, future quarterbacks, uh, future faces of the NFL, you know, together, hand in arm in arm. Uh, something uh, that, you know, was kind of unsettling, you know, there was some talk that there were some boos. You know, some people were trying to say, you know, they were saying the cheese very lowly, you know, chanting the cheese very lowly. You know, they were some people were saying that, you know, they started booing when the Texas came out, Texans came out and, you know, they didn't understand what was going on with the moment of unity when they locked arm in arm. So they were still booing kind of about that. Uh, to you, uh, what what does it mean to, to have this moment of unity? Do you think it's significant? And do you think is uh, giving off the message that they want to give off? Um, in my eyes, I would say it, it is significant, but at the same time, you know, I think people are still going to make it about the flag, even though it's not about the flag. So just to, just to hear that there were bulls when they locked arms in a moment of unity, it definitely wasn't just it, – it's clear that it's not about the flag. So I think people just do, just do, do not like to bring racial injustices into sports. Everybody says that all the time. We don't want racial injustices in sport. We just want them to play football, you know, not worry about what's going on outside of football. Well, you know, people of color, we've – We've had been dealing with this problem for years, going on years now. So just to see that and just to hear those bulls were unsettling for me, I mean, I think it might be a might be significant, but at the same time, you know, what else can they do besides that to show, you know, unity, you know what I'm saying? I really I really can't think of nothing else. I mean, other than taking a kneel. And, you know, kneeling for what you believe in. Colin Kaepernick started that, and now, you know, everybody saying he was a true cap, true hero and stuff like that. Y'all weren't saying that when he did that. So, 
you know, just to hear those boos, man, it's just unsettling because at the same time, if they really, if people really sat down and understood what was going on, I don't think they'd be booing. There's no reason to boo. The NFL apparently is just trying to show a moment of unity, and I respect that. But at the same time, it's just got to be something else, something more. It got to be more than just a moment of unity. You got to go beyond just that. So that's my thoughts on that. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I think I think it's a good gesture. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously we know what happened with Colin Kaepernick. We know how he's been blackballed from the league. And I think that, you know, the unity will be kind of a propelling force, hopefully, that, you know, NFL players are on the same page. Uh, we had so many over the last couple of years, so many teams uh, pretty much divided on what they're going to do. I remember when Colin Kaepernick was going through what he was going through. Uh, you know, there was a uh, Steelers players that w- wanted to stand outside, you know, the team agreed to be inside and not come out for the national anthem. To me, you know, it's just all about being on the same page. And, you know, I agree that, you know, teams are taking their own stance and, and basically saying, we're gonna, all going to do this. You know, we're deciding as a team what we're going to do. And as long as the leaders in the locker room, uh, you know, that, you know, are, are African-American are being heard and they're not just not doing it as a publicity stunt or doing it as, uh, you know, to just to do it because every other team is doing it. I think that's important. Uh, what, you know, kind of kind of worries me about it, though, is like like you said, that it's going to be a distraction. Like people are going to say, you know, it should be about, you know, they're going to make it about the flag when it shouldn't be. And my whole thing is that, to me, NFL players shouldn't even had to be out for the American, the national anthem, in my opinion, right? Like, to me, it, w- it was all about, you know, trying to boost patriotism and nationalism back when that happened. And obviously, with 9-11 just passing, it kind of was brought in in light of those events. I think it's you know important to note that you can't have it both ways. Like, if you want players to stand out for the national anthem and honor the anthem, then you should be able to allow them to decide whether or not they come out for the anthem or whether or not what they decide to do in light of the anthem or what they decide to do to protest. Because they weren't given a choice to you know, basically choose what they want to do. Like, they made it mandatory that teams come out and be out there for the national anthem. And to me, it's like, you didn't even give them a choice then. So how are you going to try and decide for them whether what they should do in terms of protesting? Like, you can't have it both ways. Like, oh, we want you to stand out there for the flag and be out there when a national anthem is being sung or played. But you also can't choose how to protest. Like, you can't have it both ways. So for me, it's like, I want those teams to have the chance to say their unity and and show their unity. But at the same time, they shouldn't be bashed if they're not out there for the national anthem because it was never, like I said, it was never about the flag. And they should never had to even be out for the flag anyway. It was a push, like I said, for... Uh, basically patriotism 
and, you know, to show that. And there's just so many ways that, you know, there was a, a code of flag, you know, kind of flat ethics and etiquette and that you're not supposed to wear the flag and it's not supposed to be horizontal and things like that. And all sorts of rules are being broken about that. And that's a whole different conversation for another day. But to me, it shouldn't matter what they do or how they do it. As long as they do it together, as long as they have a unified message and that, you know, they want to make a difference and whatnot. So that's kind of my thoughts about that. I don't know if you had anything else to respond to that or anything like that, but uh, that's kind of, kind of my, you know, kind of my two cents on that issue. All right, folks, uh, that was episode two of the Dual Vision podcast. Uh, another great one in the books. We'll try to do this every uh, once a week, once or twice a week, uh, depending on our schedules, and to uh, you know, kind of, kind of be involved in in and have these discussions and have these, uh, you know, the, these tough discussions and, and make people aware of what's going on in this country and you know what's kind of being being done in this country. Um, so you can go ahead and follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at real D underscore Jackson. Uh, you can follow Dom at underscore Dominic D O M I N I C Jackson on Twitter as well. We're going to, uh, po- try and post some more clips of what, uh, of it and whatnot. Uh, we, we also are now on Instagram. Uh, so you guys can, uh, go give us a follow on Instagram at, at dual vision 95, um, so you can give us a follow on that as well. Um, and, uh, you can follow us on, uh, you can just subscribe and, and like our YouTube page, uh, is dual vision 95. Uh, you can go ahead and check us out on that. Uh, Dom, any, any last thoughts you, you want to give to the people? Uh, just appreciate everybody who has listened and will continue to listen. We just want to bring awareness to, what's going on and just be able to talk and have a conversation about it. So like I said, I appreciate this platform and we just going to continue to rock. Last thing we want to leave you guys is continue to follow those social distancing guidelines and stay away from those parties and big gatherings. We want to continue to limit the spread of COVID-19 and make sure that you guys are registering to vote. We have an important vote coming up on November 3rd, Tuesday, November 3rd, uh, for a presidential election and the future of our country. So make sure you guys are continuing to wash your hands, wear a mask, uh, keep from having large crowds and being around large crowds of people, and registering to vote. Uh, for me, for Dominic Jackson, I'm Devin Jackson signing off on the Dual Vision Podcast. Have a great week, guys.